Hello everyone, I'm Lydia. And I'm Sara. And this is Hitchcock Happy Hour's Spooky Season Special. Where for the entire month of October, we'll be discussing the evolution of horror by analyzing some of our favorite spooky movies. One autumnal cocktail at a time. Cheers! Hello everyone, welcome back for another special episode of Hitchcock Happy Hour. It is the Spooky Season Special, but we're super excited for this week's episode all about the craft yeah it's gonna be a good one <laughs> um and you know we love some like buffy and charmed vibes this is very much that in a film 100 <laughs> percent. there's a lot of um a lot of magic a lot of camp a lot of really cheesy uh fight sequences special effects but a lot of underlying deep you know critiques on the patri- patriarchal society as a whole as well. So we're really excited to talk about it. It's a great movie, a total cult classic. Like, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's a it's t- it's terrible, you know, movie. Like, it's great, but it's like the, act- the acting is pretty good. The writing is terrible. But the, the writing is so bad. The movie is, the movie is fantastic. <laughs> it's a very entertaining film yeah, to watch. It's awesome. Well, and we have a delicious cocktail to accompany this one. Lydia, what are we drinking today? Speaking of our delicious accompanying autumnal cocktail. <laughs> God, I thought you'd never fucking ask. Um... <laughs> This week, we are having a drink that is inspired by one of our favorite restaurants in college, a place in Eugene, Oregon called Izakaya Meiji, and they have, hands down, the best whiskey ginger I've ever had. So this is a take on their recipe. It has ginger juice, which if you are like us and you can't find it, whatever, hack it. Grate some ginger in. Literally hack it. I don't know. Like literally (laughs) hack hack a giant stalk of ginger. (laughs) Go to the go to the ginger farm. Find <laughs> find a friendly stock. Chop chop chop, chop chop chop, and there you go. That's and yeah, great. it's great. Shout out to Meiji. Uh, Izakaya Meiji it was one of our favorite restaurants. It's a it's near and dear to us. We used to get a bourbon ginger and a hamburger there all the time, and it was it's so good. Bless and, them. Yeah, bless, bless them. them. And so we wanted to revive their delicious cocktail for this episode because it's very warm. You know, kind of like a fall, fall spicy vibe. So. It was, it was a good one for this episode, I think. Yeah, it's delicious. Um, I would like to point out I'm using a local San Francisco whiskey, so that's kind of fun. That is so fun because I am in Montreal right now and I'm using a Canadian whiskey. Look I at us it. going local. International whiskeys. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's jump into this movie. I think there's a lot to talk about. Um, as usual, we'll start with a production background synopsis and go into the plot analysis a little bit, but I think we should spend a little bit of time discussing the ending because both of us had some um, thoughts on the ending. A million questions? A million questions, no answers. Um, And I kind of wanted to get your opinion on a couple of things. There's a couple of questions I'm going to pose to you at the end. So uh, get your answers ready. (laughs) You don't know what the question is. Pop quiz, I don't know what the questions are. (laughs) I don't know, you, sorry, you, gave, to... you gave me a pop quiz last time with the scream question, that's so true. I feel well, like I get fun. to retaliate. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Um, but anyway, let's jump into it. So, The Craft is a 1996 supernatural horror film directed by Andrew Fleming. 
interestingly called a supernatural horror film. I, I mean, there are like horror elements to it, but I didn't find it on the same like vibe as like the slasher films we've been watching. But I guess it is, it's definitely like taking the supernatural elements of kind of the modern um, like witch horror movies and it's kind of laying the foundation for that. So I would call it a horror film, but it's definitely like a teen horror film for sure. Yeah, I think there's also some like slasher tropes that we yes. see, but there's not all the hallmarks of like a classic. Right. There's not a film. lot of slashing. <laughs> per no. se. There's not there's not a lot of blood. There's not at a lot all. of blood. There's a lot of um psychological trauma, I would say, that actually is pretty scary once you talk about it, but it's not the same as in a slasher film. But anyway, the film stars stars Robin uh I think it's Robin Tooney, but I'm not sure to be honest. Um, and, uh, Firuza Balk, Neve Campbell, our friend Neve Campbell, who our listeners will recognize from Scream, um, she's a horror staple, Rachel True, and another Scream fan favorite, Skeet Ulrich, always here to play oh. the evil teen boyfriend of the movies. Hey, I love it. Yeah, gotta love it. We love Skeet. We love Skeet. <laughs> Uh, the movie was a surprise hit. It wasn't um, supposed to be as popular as it was. It earned $55 million worldwide against a budget of $15 million released by Columbia Pictures. So they weren't expecting it to do as well um, as it did, but it was a total sleeper hit and then turned into this like cult classic film. It received really mixed reviews from critics, though. It was considered a critical dud. Um, it was crit- it was popular with audiences, but it was considered a critical dud. I think a lot. I think that's something that we see really common in horror films, um, being being seen as uh, not critically. Um, it's not for the palate of like a film buff or something like that, which I think can be a misconception. I think so too, and I think where we do see films that do score well with critics, it's usually after they've been released for a while. It's like kind of looking back and realizing the cultural significance, but yeah, I think to your point, it's not like it has like the heavy hitter drama or like, you know, it can be put in this box where critics are more likely to love it yeah and I mean tell me what you think about this though because when I first read that I was like that's kind of weird because it is such a popular film and I think that it talks about topics like you know being young women and teens in high school like teen girls in high school like things that we can see like oh yeah like you know feelings you know albeit hyperbolic in this movie but like things that young girls go through like the trauma of being bullied by your friends or like facing these like fears of not being pretty enough or things like that um, that I think are really important and really deep, and it's kind of one of the first films we see that in, so I was a little bit shocked to see that it had so much uh, criticism, but then I was reading about it, and I'd love to know your take, so, like, one one of the um, major critiques of the movie was that it was, it, it was kind of, um, this, well, this, the campy special effects overshadowed that feminist message that was in the film and at the center of the movie, and the other one was that the feminist message itself about, like, the power of women and nonconformity in youth, it, it was confused by the second half of the film's message about, like, karma and things like that, so there yeah. were, like, too many conflicting political, like, messages yeah. in the movie I don't know what your take is on that but I kind of agree I kind of can see where like no where I, I agree too I think that they're to me this wasn't my favorite film that we watched I'm just gonna like put that out there I don't think that it's like clear or as concise about what it's trying to accomplish whereas I think the other films are very like smart about how they go about 
addressing these like societal issues. And I think that this one almost tried to tackle like too much and just didn't have a clear enough vision for what that needed to be in order to be successful. And I feel like the second half really like undoes a lot of the good work that the first half does. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think that a lot of people look at this movie as such a powerful film about femininity and, you know, feminism in young women, like teen women, especially in the nonconformity of youth and how that can be a good thing. And I really like that message in the movie, but I do agree that I think the film, I think I get what they were trying to do in the second half and we'll discuss it later in the analysis, but I don't think they did it well enough for it to have that same like punch at the end where it instead what it does is just it kind of just unravels the first half of the movie and it kind of overshadows the message that we get in the first half of the film exactly you kind of leave it being like well it was cool and there were like badass women and now I don't really know how to feel yeah yeah exactly um but we'll discuss that later because I think that that specific thing is pretty ripe for analysis um in the movie and I think that's where a lot of the critique and the debate of this film kind of comes from is that issue so let's just dive right into the plot so then we can get um get into the analysis <laughs> so the movie starts this with, is good because even though i watched it last night i need like a little refresher a little refresher <laughs> um well i am happy to provide so the film starts with sarah bailey who is a troubled teenage girl with unusual abilities as she has just moved from san francisco to los angeles at her new school, she forms a friendship with a group of girls who are rumored to be witches. These girls are Bonnie Harper, who has burned scars on her body from an automobile accident, Nancy Downs, whose family lives in a trailer park and whose stepfather is like pretty abusive, so she's, you know, quote unquote, calls, is called trailer trash or white trash in the movie, and Rochelle Zimmerman, who's an African-American uh, teenager and swimmer and is subjected to racism by a group of uh, popular white girls. Loki was not expecting the racism in this movie. <laughs> it was pretty, like, pretty intense um, as yeah, well. Yeah, it is intense. Yeah, so the three girls worship a powerful deity called Manon, and at school, Sarah becomes attracted to the popular Chris Hooker, who is literally such a hoe. <laughs> like, his name such is like... I mean, the name alone. It's just so obvious. So when Bonnie observes Sarah levitating a pencil in class, um... She and the group become convinced that Sarah might be the right girl to complete their coven as the fourth, making them all-powerful. When Sarah is harassed by a man with a snake, he is immediately hit by a car, and the girls believe that together they willed it to happen. Uh, After a date with Chris, Sarah finds out that he spread false rumors about her, that they had sex, and that she was terrible in bed, even though they didn't, because he tried to, and she said no. Um... When Sarah confronts him, he treats her really disrespectfully in front of his friends. In response, Sarah casts a love spell on him. Rochelle casts a revenge spell on a racist bully on her swim team named uh, Laura Lizzie. Bonnie casts a spell for beauty to get rid of her scars from her automobile accident, and Nancy casts one for power. Um... It is soon uh, becomes clear that the spells have been successful. Chris becomes really infatuated with Sarah. The scars on Bonnie's body um, have miraculously healed, and Rochelle's bully Laura begins to lose her hair pretty aggressively. Uh, Nancy causes her stepfather to have a heart attack and die, so that was definitely like the most extreme <laughs> one that happened, enabling her and her mom uh, to cash in on his life insurance policy and move out of their trailer park and uh, begin living in a luxurious high-rise apartment. 
Nancy becomes greedy for power and encourages the others to join her in a rite called the Invocation of the Spirit. On completion of the spell, she is struck by lightning. The following morning, the girls see Nancy walking on water with beached sharks and other dead animals littering the shore. Um, which was a pretty, like, pretty traumatizing scene, to be honest. <laughs> not my favorite. It was not my favorite. <laughs> Nancy starts acting as though she is devoid of empathy and begins taking risks with her, life's and, her life and others' lives. Uh, the spells that the girls have cast soon lead to negative consequences. These were consequences that they were warned about by this, um other witch who owns this like spell shop <laughs> like i don't right something like that like an apothecary and she warns them that there's going to be um consequences threefold of all of the all of the spells that they cast and just so to be careful so the first one is that bonnie becomes aggressively narcissistic Rochelle finds Laura traumatized by her baldness and sobbing hysterically in the bathroom so she's realizing kind of like the the um ramifications of what she did to another person and the scene was really interesting I actually thought this was pretty cool I don't know if you noticed this but when when she sees Bonnie so they're in like the swim team locker room and she sees uh not Bonnie excuse me Laura like crying in the shower or whatever she is like kind of traumatized herself because I don't think she was expecting it to be that aggressive and then she like looks in the mirror and her reflection doesn't look back at her like it looks away as well and I, I, I actually, that. like, no, I was, like, that's, like, really, so I, like, rewound it to, like, watch it, because I was, like, wait, I thought, like, I missed it, and then, so, like, it kind of is the foreshadowing of, like, they can't really look at them, like, they can't really look at themselves and face what they've done, so that was kind of the first glimpse that we see that there's going to be a little bit of ramification for them, um, and the, the really aggressive one was that Chris becomes a little bit too obsessed with Sarah, and he attempts to rape her when she, uh, rejects his continual advances and, like, chases her into the forest after she runs away. Um, in supposed retaliation, Nancy uses a glamour spell to make her look like Sarah and attempts to fool Chris into having sex with her at a party. She's interrupted by the real Sarah, who tells Nancy to leave with her, but it becomes obvious that Nancy has an unrequited, unrequited feelings for Chris. Upset at being fooled, Chris says Nancy must be jealous, and um, that angers her, and she uses, uses her powers to kill Chris by throwing him out of the window in a scene where she's, like, doing a very witchy vibe where she's, like, dragging her, like, feet on the... Like, she's, like, levitating. It's, like, yeah, very, um... Very, like, Salem vibes, I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Sarah attempts to use a binding spell to prevent Nancy from doing any more harm, but it doesn't work, and the coven ends up turning on her. They invade her dreams. They start tormenting her with visions of swarms of snakes, rats, insects, things like that. Um, and they make her family, make her believe that her family has died in a plane crash. So this scene is actually like probably the scariest part of the movie because it has... That scene was really intense. It was really intense. It kind the movie kind of went from like zero to 100 really fast. Like the rest of it was like spooky, supernatural. And then the end well, is just kind so of like, creepy. It's like they're casting spells, but it's kind of like all in good fun. And I don't think anyone understands like the gravity of what they're doing. But then this is like where it really like shifts into, okay, now we're being malicious and like, purposefully trying to hurt other people yeah and then I think Nancy is the one that kind of ends up always taking it a little bit too far um and we'll discuss this later but I think like I think it's important to analyze like when we analyze the characters in the movie Nancy and Sarah are clearly foils of each other I think it's like very obvious like that that's definitely like the the structure of the plot um 
So, yeah, this scene is really gross. There's, like, literally so many bugs and snakes, like, more than I've literally yeah. ever seen in my entire life. And I'm no, like, were I was actually real? gonna say at the top, like, <laughs> trigger warning, if you don't like creepy crawlies, like, this, the end of this movie is not for you. Like, my <laughs> yeah. husband is literally terrified of cockroaches. I mean, I am too. Like, who isn't terrified literally of cockroaches? Literally terrified of cockroaches. He, like, if he saw it on the screen, he would be like, this movie's the worst movie ever. So if you feel that way, like, do not watch the end of this movie because there are so many bugs and snakes. I really and hope he didn't watch the end of this movie. This isn't, this doesn't really seem like his vibe of movie, though, anyways, so. No, this is true. Yeah. This is true. Um, sidebar, as usual, I remember when you guys first started dating and we were watching that show Salem <laughs> and he didn't really know yet, you like, you that well yet. And you guys were, he was, like, wanting to hang out. And you're, like, we're watching Salem. You can come over. And he came over, and we were watching, like, one of the most brutal episodes. I don't remember which one it was, but it was, like, a really intense one. And he was just, like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? We're, like, sitting in the dark. And we're both just, like, yes. Yeah, we're, like, sorry, we need to watch this show. Shout out to that Science show. This is my favorite. Wonderful oh, show. God, the best. Um, you know what? As part of one of these episodes, we should refine that, like, Facebook event that oh I made Oh, my then... God. This might be, maybe this one or The Witch, when we do The Witch, because that's definitely... I think when we do The Witch, we'll have to do that. That was... Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll save that story, because it's worth saving for another time, but Lydia, <laughs> like, I think she peaked in her, like, comedy moment. <laughs> I did. It to... I think it was the... Yeah. It, but here's the thing is, it was really only funny to you and me, but, like, I do feel like I peaked in that moment. Nothing I've ever done since then has no, been funny. No, nothing anyone's <laughs> ever done to me or shown me or whatever since then has been funnier than that. It was, the execution of it was, nothing has been Thank more you. flawless than the execution Thank of that. Well, well, we'll save it for, I know we're building it up and it's totally worth it. <laughs> is it? Yes. <laughs> it is for us. <laughs> I feel like our listeners are gonna be like, "What the? Yeah, that was the, yeah, the, the, the well, when they, well, when and they, I'll be like crying when they see. We'll it's have fine. to find it and post the photo because it's that will make it worth it. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. Um, they try to induce uh, Sarah to commit suicide. Nancy cuts Sarah's wrists herself, where she had had like she had tried to slit her wrists prior, so she had scars there. So they try to like cut those, reopen those scars. Um, although initially terrified, Sarah successfully invokes the spirit and is able to heal herself and fight back. She scares off Bonnie and Rochelle by showing them glamours in the mirror of Bonnie with her face, uh, scarred and Rochelle losing her hair like Laura. Um, then she defeats Nancy in a pretty epically cheesy fight. It's pretty great, but it's pretty, it's pretty cheesy. <laughs> it's pretty cheesy. Yeah, I can see why the critics were like, yeah. But I'm like, I can, this is, I can too, but I'm also like, this is so 90s. Like, this is what you guys have to offer. I mean, it's perfectly 90s. And again, if you like Buffy or if you like Charmed, this very much feels like that style <laughs> yeah and it also like if you like the 90s in any way shape or form this movie is for you <laughs> it's also oh, very the soundtrack alone oh the soundtrack was so good so great this is honestly better than the movie itself i think i don't disagree with yeah. you. <laughs> um so sarah ends up beating uh nancy in the fight and she binds her preventing her f- from causing harm to herself or others forever Later on, Bonnie and Rochelle found that their powers have been stripped, and they visit Sarah and attempt uh, reconciliation, only to find that she wants nothing to do with them. 
and that Manon has taken their powers away after they abused them. They scornfully mutter that Sarah must have lost her powers too, and that's why she doesn't want to hang out with them, but Sarah makes a tree branch fall on, almost fall on them, and she warns them to be careful, or else they will end up like Nancy. The final scene, which I think we'll spend a lot of more, most of the time talking about, um, we see Nancy has been committed to a psychiatric hospital, is delusional and stripped of her powers and strapped into her bed as she desperately insists that she can fly. And it is, like, a pretty traumatizing scene, to be it honest. Is, like, it gets really dark at the end. It's terrifying. It's a pretty yeah. abrupt ending, like, for the vibe of the it rest is. of the movie. It's and like then pretty... it just cuts to, like, clouds. Like, <laughs> like, what just happened? So, yeah, that's, that's, like, the, I'm sorry. that's the film. Um... So I think we'll jump into the analysis. There's two main themes that I think we should talk about that are imp- that are like the main themes of the movie, and then we'll spend a lot of time discussing um, how the ending maybe undercut some of the power that the movie was giving young women throughout the film, and what could have been different, and what maybe um, maybe a reanalysis of the end. But before we do that, I think it's important to have a brief discussion about who is Manon because I didn't know. And turns out it's made up for the movie, <laughs> so... <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a real thing? No, I was wondering, because... So when I was reading about this, it turns out they had, like... They had a high priestess from a coven consult on the film so that they could be accurate about the spells and stuff. Like, they didn't want to, like... What? They didn't want to, like, discredit the Wiccan community, and so, like, one of the things of the movie that, like, everyone agreed on, like, all the critics agreed on, is that they actually were, like, very, like, respectful and true to, like, actual Wiccan culture. <laughs> it's like, wow, good well, for that's them. that's great. Way to go. Hollywood respecting Wiccans. We love to see it. No, literally. So they had this, like, actual, like, Wiccan, like, high priestess, like, come and consult Wait, on the stone. And so they, she made sure to, like, give them spells that would be commonly found by, like, new witches. <laughs> like, not in, like, incantation books and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's actually really cool that they had a budget for that. (laughs) They were like, "Um, line item for Wiccan consultant, we will need a high priestess. Thank you. (laughs) One high priestess. Thank you. One high priestess. (laughs) Oh my God, we're getting, we should get that on a mug or a t shirt or something. (laughs) Line item for high priestess. (laughs) But I think basically. It doesn't have a name. It's like, I think the name is what's not real, but the idea of Manon, like, exists in Wiccan culture. So, basically, it's the creator of all things. Um, It oversees humanity with both, like, malevolent and benevolent actions at will. It's kind of like the balance of force, good and evil together. Everything comes from nature. I don't think Manon is, like, fully good or evil. I think that's the point. And seems generally pretty disinterested in, like, intervening in human life and unless something, like, happens. But I think the point is that, like, pagan traditions and beliefs, um, a lot of them worship... A lot of their worship is connected to nature and the elements. And so I think that's what, like, Manon is supposed to be. But I think at the core of it, it's supposed to represent the most, like, primal aspects of human nature and human instinct. So it's it's kind of like bolstering certain facets of each devotee and give like, and it kind of, that's kind of what leads to like people wanting to invoke it for like very self-serving reasons. Um, It also, I think, I mean, I don't know what you think about this, but I think it can also be looked at as kind of like a cautionary tale for that reason as well, is that like with all that power, you can also like do a lot of bad things 
Um, but we'll talk about that in terms of the, like, unfortunate critique of, like, femininity and stuff like that in the film as well. But, um, there, the, the reason that Manon is, like, not a real deity that, um, like, the name isn't, like, they didn't pick, like, a real name of something that, like, pagans worship was because they were actually concerned that if they did use a deity, like, they wrote one into the script, audience That people would, like, summon it. Yeah, audience, (laughs) no, literally they were, like, worried that audience members might take to start, like, performing real rituals and, like, invoking something more more powerful that they couldn't handle. At least... At least they were, like, thinking ahead, though. Yeah, no, they literally put so much thought into the spell stuff. I was, like, actually a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I love that. They really did their due diligence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We appreciate research, you know what I mean? (laughs) Truly. (laughs) So, um, yeah, let's jump into the themes of the movie. So, I think the first one um, that's pretty blatant is, uh, the power of non-conforming youth. It's the trope that, it's the main trope that we see in slasher films that they use in the movie, I think. I don't know if you agree with that. No, I 100% agree, and I think that it's especially prevalent in this film, but I almost feel like when they become the coven, then they become, like, cool. Yeah. Whereas I think other ones, it's like, they are the hero because they're non-conforming, but I don't know that they're, like, accepted or, like, I don't yeah, know, like, that's a good point. Like they wh- even whatever. Like, like they're they're never they never become group. quote unquote cool. Like in other slasher no. films, they're always the outsider. Whereas, whereas I feel like once they come into their like powers and inform their coven, like people at the school are actually like, oh, whoa! Like they're like actually like kind of a hot commodity. Whereas in other films, I think that they're kind of they continue to be outsiders, and it's because of that that they're then able to like survive because they're not kind of bound by like the same things that their peers are but I don't think that we see it quite in that form for this film. yeah yeah that, that that's a really good point because and to that point it's I think like while the idea of like you know the outsider or whatever is is a trope that we see very common in slasher films I think what they do instead of using it as a trope in the movie it's like full-blown it's like a full-blown theme in the film like they actually take it and like make the movie like set the plot is like centered around that idea more so than that's just what the character is. And I think, to your point, like, that's how, that's why they can take it out of, like, the idea of it just being, like, this is an outsider and they're going to remain an outsider, but what happens when you are so non-conforming that it actually becomes cool? And that's, I think, what we see the cultural impact that these kinds of movies have, is that people want to be like that, and young, young girls, like, want to be like this, and things like that, and start dressing with, like, spiky hair, and, like, wearing crosses around your neck, and, like, Doc Martens, and plaid skirts, and stuff like that. Yes. Like, Honestly, the fashion in this is so good. Obviously. I, I so want good. those outfits. Obviously, <laughs> it had to be set at a parochial school, but anyway. Um, I mean, yeah. As someone who went to program school, it wasn't like that at all, unfortunately. No, it was not like that. At- well, I didn't go, but or based fortunately, on based- or fortunately, yeah, I would say fortunately, <laughs> probably fortunately. Um, I think. Let's see. So I think that what we see in the movie in terms of this theme is that it's like the idea that while that yes, they do become cool for a while, the the misunderstood youth actually have a lot of problems of their own, and, like, clearly a lot of them are struggling, like, of the four girls, like, at least Nancy and probably Sarah are struggling with mental health issues, and some anger issues, a lot of anxiety, like, things like that, and, like, Rochelle is the 
like as we see is the only black person in the school so she's having to suffer in silence with like all the racism she's feeling and we don't see them ever getting an outlet for that and I think that's the that's like kind of the um the turning point of like how how many bad things can happen to young women before they do essentially like I don't want to I hate to use the word snap but like want to do something about it and kind of like take back their power yeah, and like, like why do we have to some like punish retaliation yeah and like yeah. but why is that considered like why do we consider that a bad thing I think like I think um, this is something that we sh- we're going to talk about regarding the ending but I think if you look at the movie from like a very like objective point of view and very like um traditional perspective i guess nancy is technically the villain of the film but i don't think if you look at if you actually look at it a little bit more critically like i don't necessarily think that she is no i don't think so and i think they purposefully like give you enough of the backstory like they give you the framework to help you understand why she is the way she is and i feel like the point of that is to make it so that she isn't like the clear-cut villain it's that like there are circumstances that like push people to act in certain ways like ultimately I think you know she is like the victim of her own like the consequences of her actions but at the same time like I do think that they try to paint her in like a sympathetic light where you understand where she's coming from when she's like abusing her power or like overstepping boundaries 100% I totally agree and I think yeah they definitely set that up with all three of the the characters um Bonnie Nancy and Rochelle like very immediately by making like their entrance into the film is like they're obviously the outsiders at the school and like the way that we first even really hear about them and get their backstories is through Chris's perspective too so we're getting like all of this negative stuff and not about why they are the way they are, but he calls them the bitches of East Wing, which is honestly the funniest thing I've ever heard. I was like, just I would, thinking that I would like, love to be called that, to be honest. Can we be called the bitches of Eastwick? <laughs> honestly, yeah. We absolutely should be called the bitches of Eastwick. But that scene, though, I don't know if you noticed this, but I just, like, the juxtaposition was so real in that scene. They were literally sitting up under a rainbow mural it's of so the Virgin bad. Mary. <laughs> It was incredible. You're incredible. Like, well done, whoever like, scouted this it. location. <laughs> they understood yeah, the assignment. Incredible. <laughs> 10 out of 10 to the location scout. Truly. <laughs> but I think, like, one, you know, the other big trope in, in slasher films is, like, you know, teens being alone and, like, teenagers. It's just, like, it's all teenagers. It's never adults. The adults are stupid or, like, irrelevant in slasher movies. And. I always kind of wondered, like, why, and I don't, I don't think it, I think we talked about it, you know, ad nauseum in our other episodes, and we'll probably keep talking about it in our, in the future ones, but for this one specifically, I found the, some, there was a very interesting reasoning that I thought was, was really cool, and um, one of the critics wrote that teens are perfect material for a writer to project witchcraft's historical past onto, because of all of the markers of being a freak are still as real in the 90s like in a 90s catholic school in america as they were in like salem massachusetts in the 1600s like if you think about it like bonnie and her scarred body like any deformity like you're automatically considered a witch and like mental illness if you're sleeping around if you're obviously a person of color like you know like all of these things were in the in the 1600s like considered being a marker of a witch and we're in the 90s in a catholic school and it's literally the same thing like nothing has changed 
And I, I didn't really realize it when I was watching the movie. When I thought about it, I was like, wow, that's, like, so fucked up. <laughs> like, it's all, it's, like, nothing has changed in terms of, like, the cultural acceptance yeah. of people and I think, like, the persecution you know I mean? still there. It just, like, manifests differently. It's not, like, a trial by, like, your townspeople. It's, like, a trial by your peers. And, like, you're isolated and ridiculed. And, like, you know, your life is very miserable. And to your point, like, there isn't an outlet for that like trauma right i yeah 100 percent. i think there's literally nothing scarier than being bullied in high school <laughs> like that is a trial by your peers in high school is the worst thing ever and that's that can be like a horror movie for i mean that can be very terrifying for some people that have experienced that and kind of feel the same way obviously this is again like a very hyperbolic version of that but these are feelings that you know everyone feels at one point one point or another when they're when they're young and going through weird changes and learning about their identity and their ideology and how to think and be their own person and um any anything that makes you seem different than the norm you can be you can be judged for and i think that's it's a really big stain on our society that that's coming and like in the, what this movie is showing is that that's coming from young people it's not really a dog I mean that's like we are learned to judge others for not yeah. sticking the and status quo like at a very young age the role of adults in this film is like none of them are helping to stop any of it like they're not the ones who are expediting any of this but i think it is implied that like these are definitely learned behaviors but at the end of the day like it's these peers that are then like continuing to perpetuate these things and the adults are basically just like they're basically useless like they're not there they're not present they're not aware of what's happening and they're not doing anything to change it yeah 100 percent. like i think a good example of that is literally the fucking swim coach knows that that girl is being so racist and he's literally like she does it in front of him and he literally doesn't do anything about it he's just like hey stop like she's being yeah she's this poor girl is being harassed like she's trying to do her diving this girl's like literally like saying racist slurs at her like yeah in front of the coach and the coach is not doing anything about it and i mean it just totally like why should young people trust adults like that's kind of the thing is like if they are you know over and over again useless like why should they trust them and obviously it would make sense that they would want to take matters into their own hands and trust the elements or something like that over over just or like, like going when, to your parents um, about what's something. the main girl's name sarah when she like comes home and is like freaking out and she's like calling for her dad and he's just like literally not even there it's just like it, it's like nightmare on elm street-esque in that sense where it's just like the adults are you know these kids are having these like crises and they're like life or death situations and the parents are just like literally not even around <laughs> Or, like, check that out. Yeah, no, and I think that's what's, that's, like, one thing that I think, like, was so interesting, you know, and I think we talked about this on Nightmare on Elm Street, because that movie is just, it's the movie for, like, parents being fucking useless, like, that is the movie for that, and I think, um, in that one, it, it's, like, it goes, takes such a step further that the parents in Nightmare well, on Elm Street literally did, created and the problem. Like and they're trying, they're almost, like, trying to, like, gaslight the children like there's nothing wrong it's totally fine I mean in this film the adults are just completely absent like there's no yeah they're just completely absent yeah 100% and and I think what that leads to especially as a young woman and what this movie is trying to portray is that um there can be a lot of power in a group of girlfriends a good group of girlfriends that that can support and that's where you have to look to to get your support from and that can be that might be your only form of support at that young age, and it kind of goes to show, like, how they can be, like, young women can be unstoppable when they're together and they support each other, 
But then on the flip side of that, there, you know, it can also turn and that when that friendship becomes so codependent that it becomes toxic. And again, we see like a really extreme version of that, but it can also be the worst thing ever is when you have a fight with your friend group and, and your friend group, you know, they essentially scorn you. Um, then you're totally alone. Then you have no one to turn to. You don't have your parents. You don't have your friends. You don't have anybody. And so I think that can be like the worst nightmare for a young person is their friend group turning on them. And I think that's, you know, the end of this movie is yeah. just like well, metaphor after metaphor interesting for Interesting too, because I think <laughs> in the 90s this wouldn't have been like as prevalent. But I think what's interesting is like, you know, at the end of the film where they are scorning her, like they're haunting her dreams and doing all this stuff. And I think that you could draw a lot of parallels to like modern society where people are, you know, sending you mean messages on Instagram or like harassing you on social media. And like, I think that it still kind of holds that same thing just in a, in a slightly different way. But I think that's, you know, still very true. I totally agree. And I think that, I think that, that I totally agree. And I think that like we see harassment and bullying throughout history. I mean, it doesn't end like just like within your own community, it doesn't end. And, and I think to your point, when we get into the modern day 21st century when you have access to doing that online you have like endless amounts of bullying that you can do with almost no repercussion if you can't put a face to the name and so it can it can be even worse it's definitely can be even more scary so that's this is definitely just a precursor for that for sure it's definitely just it's just something that is super timeless I think that's one of the reasons like while I agree that this isn't, like, the best movie ever, I do think there are a lot of themes in it that resonate with a lot of young people, and I can see why it became such a... It's such a cult hit, especially for young women, like, young girls in high well, school, like, seeing you, something like this for the first time. I don't think you time. see a lot of dynamics like that, where it is, like, a group of, like, girlfriends. It's I think that men play, like, a very, like, tertiary role in this film, whereas I feel like a lot of times those, like, relationships, especially in, like, high school films, are, like, very front and center whereas here it's kind of it's part of the story but it's really about them coming into their own and, and like having this friendship um I just think can we talk about the end or are we getting to that because okay we're, we're getting done. to that no we like definitely are getting to that we'll, we'll get to it I just want to I think um I yeah but I just to your point though that um No, I won't. Um, but to I just wanted to say, like, to your point, I think, like, for the most part of the movie, they passed the Bechdel test. But there are some parts where it's, like, it's, like, Sarah yeah. and Nancy clearly have, like, a thing I'm with Chris. Like, there's clearly, you, like, like, an issue. But for the for most... guy who, like, literally yeah. said such, like, horrible things about you? Why why not just cast... I don't That's know. That's the thing. I found that problem. That's the thing. <laughs> and then when he... And then when he, like, he literally tried to rape her and then he died. And she was, like, he was a good person underneath it all. And I was, like, what now? <laughs> I was like, I I'm not really sure that, that that's true. <laughs> His last name is literally Hooker. Like, it literally is like, and I think that's one of the things, though, that you see is like, he is literally such a hoe bag and has, and he's like a popular guy, yet if Nancy is considered to like sleep around, she's like a total outcast and has like a giant red A on her shirt. Like, it's, you know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. just like. Just all of it's so problematic. I don't know. I mean, it's just well, like it's just like the like, the patriarchy I mean, is terrible. Point, like the, the end where he dies, it's literally like, well, I mean, he did all these terrible things and was kind of a shithead, but like he's still probably a good person, and like we should remember him well. It's like, should we? <laughs> 
should we? <laughs> I didn't think we should. I did not like him at all. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, we're going to jump to the end, but there's a couple, I think we've discussed this, but like the second theme, obviously, and we've kind of interwoven it a little bit is the idea of like feminism and the power of young women. There was very, this I found very interesting and in actually like how still when this movie was being, when this movie was being made, obviously it was the nineties. So it's still pretty, you know, patriarchy in Hollywood was yeah. still very, very before you know, the Me Too movement. As it is now. But I mean, let's but, be honest, it's still there. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was a very interesting code issue that came up in the nineties that I was like, I didn't realize they enforced the code. They didn't, but only when it has to do with women, apparently. So very interesting misogyny that happened with the film's production and release. Um this movie, the the director was very careful to follow the PG-13 guidelines because he wanted it to be, like, for teens, and so he followed, they followed the PG-13 guidelines really strictly, but the Motion Picture Association still gave it an R rating. What? So this movie was rated R, <laughs> and I don't, yeah, it's really weird, but the the director was very, like, outspoken about how he thought it was like that because specifically it portrayed young women, like, experiencing power for the first time. Oh, that makes me so pissed. Like, how fucked up it is. Yeah, right? I found that super interesting, and I was like, wow, like, the movie is literally, like, what a great, you know, mirror up to society. Like, movies are the, you know, a great indicator of what's going on in the real world, and this totally was. Like, art imitates reality, for sure, and and I think this film absolutely was telling the truth, and, and Hollywood totally bought into it and did it, and did exactly what this movie was trying to critique um, so by crazy. giving it an R rating. And I was like, what in this movie is rated R? <laughs> this movie is not R rated at all. There's like no blood in it, um, which I thought was really interesting. And, and I think the director was very outspoken about how he thought he thought it was very clearly the only reason was because it was about young young women like coming into their own and learning how to use power and like learning about sexuality and they're you know experiencing things and thinking for themselves and and yeah i i I just thought that was very interesting um but I think the reason that this movie like resonated with so many young women is because it displayed a sense I think we just talked about this it displayed a sense of adolescent bravado that was essentially sisterhood that you like hadn't seen in a movie up until this point I don't think like I can't think of a movie that's like this you know gritty about how like like how friendships how female friendships actually can be and actually are and how important they can be and how supportive they can be um I think it like tops into this like at first you can look at this movie as like okay it's just like a very campy movie that girls like to watch at a slumber party or like a wine night with girlfriends or whatever like but I do think that there is a bit of a deeper meaning and a deeper critique of society that we see in the in the movie and I think what it does and tell me if you agree is that it it kind of like taps into this American fear of female power and what happens when women are alone together forming bonds that that can be both like very profound and contradictory, but very lib- liberating yeah. and limiting, but are very I'm real. I'm trying to decide you know what if, I mean? like, the fact that their friendship goes sour is like playing into the systems of oppression that this film is trying to critique, or if by like playing into that, it's almost like brilliant in in like the critique that this is how we feel like female friendships have to end. That there's only one 
way that it can be and that's like if there's too much power then people can't be friends anymore you know what I mean so that's what I I think that's a great segue to the end because I think that was my biggest issue with the movies when I watched it I was like what the fuck like that just went totally south and it totally ruined the whole point of the movie which was about like female friendship and female power and like what women can do when they're like supporting one another and the ending just completely, like, dissolves that idea. But then I, when I was reading about it, and I was like, nothing that I read said this, but when I was reading about it, it made me think about it a little more. And I think that's I think that's what they were trying to do. I think it is that they were trying to show that, like, it's, it, it's a painful reminder that in our society it doesn't end well for women that claim power like that. And, like, Nancy's ending and her demise is is a realistic portrayal of what happens to women who are like that, who refuse to mold into some, you know, patriarchal idea of a woman and, and instead decides to take power for herself and do what she wants. It basically shows that, like... the power is illusory illusory in like a patriarchal society and second chances are basically impossible for women and I think that that's what they were trying to show is that like there's a darker critique here and it's not of it's not of women being friends it's of the society and like what society has done and how how our society is structured to not allow women to be successful when they support one another and or not allow that to happen because of the fear that like every what everybody knows is that women will be better at everything and and actually do things well and things like that and take power away from men but i think i still stand by my my thing that and i think you probably do too that the ending was bad because i think they just tried to do too much and 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 that message got lost a little bit in how they tried to like execute it it didn't really work like i get what they were trying to do but then there was just there was too much they had to wrap up and again like it, it, yeah i just they weren't clear and concise about what they were trying to accomplish and so in the end it just it became like so wait are you for women or are you actually against women i'm confused and that's you know kind of leaves you being like wait this is just so different than what you built up before um it was a very like when i first watched it i was like f this like <laughs> i hate this and then I think once we were talking through it, I'm like, okay, I actually see what they were trying to critique. It just, it didn't read right. And maybe it could have been a different way, but I just think the writing wasn't there to support it. Yeah, because I, I agree with you that when I was watching the film, like, throughout it, I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, like, these girls are gonna get revenge on all these people that are being assholes to them, and they're, like, coming together to form power and all these things, even though you know it's gonna, the, the whole movie is, like, the th- threefold gonna be worse, like, you know something bad's gonna happen, but you expect them to be like, okay, we're gonna do this, and then Sarah's gonna pull everyone back, and everyone's gonna come together and, like, beat it in the end or whatever, but it doesn't, and then you're just kind of like, wait, that's not how that should have gone. That's like actually like a huge step back in, in feminism and things like that. But I think the point wasn't that they unraveled each other. It was that the societal pressures of like what happened to them and their toxic friendship, they couldn't find each other again because, again, like the world that we live in doesn't allow women to have a second chance and try again. And I think... What's really interesting to me is I, I, when I watched this, I'm like, okay, Nancy's clearly supposed to be the bad guy and Sarah's supposed to be the good guy, obviously. But then when I was, like, thinking about it, I'm like, and, and these are my questions that I was going to ask you. I am not 
Do you think Sarah is the actual villain of the movie? Because I'm not convinced that she's not. I mean, not. I'm not convinced that she's the hero. No. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like, she's constantly, like, going after this guy who, like, is clearly a creep. She's the one that, like, breaks up the coven and, like, goes against the women and, like, for for all this stuff and and doesn't try to reason with them and tries to get behind their back and all these things. And at the end, she doesn't give her friends a second chance. And she is almost, like, satisfied with, with what she did to Nancy and what she what she's done. And so then I think that if we if we do analyze the movie from the perspective that Sarah is actually the villain, then you have to re-examine Nancy's role as her foil, and that she's actually not the villain of the movie, and she's just widely misunderstood yeah. and got put into I mean, a very I think bad what's situation. Interesting is kind of like the magic that they do in this film. I don't think that any character is like straight good or straight bad. I think that there is kind of that balance between the two. I I think that Sarah comes into like pushing everyone to do more like dark magic like I think Nancy takes it to a darker place but I think Sarah is also kind of like pushing the coven further and like kind of testing the boundaries of like what they can do right like she's the one that teaches them how to do the glamour she's the one that does the I think it was her idea to do Uh, like the iconic iconic we forgot to discuss the iconic scene of the movie light as a feather stiff as a board I mean come on the most famous slumber party scene of all time in any movie um, but that was, like, her idea was to kind of, like, push the boundaries, as you so, said. Yeah, I... Um, yeah. And so she I introduced the idea like, a little solely, bit. solely good at all, and I think that that's kind of the point. Um, I think the whole... I think this film is trying to kind of blur the lines between what is good and what is bad, and ultimately what is it just to be human and to have mistakes, um, or to want to push the boundaries and how much can you push before it's too far, you know? And I think that that's kind of what this film is doing, but I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't think that Sarah can truly be called like the hero of this film. I think that she's the, the like main person, the protagonist, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. She's the, yeah, she's the main character, like maybe an anti-hero. So it is like a very complicated relationship. I don't think it's as clear cut as other films where you have like the final girl who's clearly like the heroine. Yeah, and like she is the final, she has all of the like characteristics of the final girl, but she is the final girl to a a sense, but then she's just like not the one that, I wasn't really rooting for her in the end. I was kind of like, I felt bad for her, but I'm also like, it's, like you were part of this too I mean like you did all these things as well like you know and and to be honest like Nancy was trying to protect you because your boyfriend tried to rape you like I mean her motives were a little sus but like she might have had some underlying her motives were a little sus but you know like there's some of the bad stuff that happened was your fault as well like I don't know. So, I, yeah, I kind of was re-examining the ending from that perspective. But my final question that I want to ask you that you're, before we before we end is, um, do you think that Nancy's ending could have just been a glamour? Ooh! Mic drop. That wasn't in any of the critiques. I just, I just thought of that myself, so I'm very proud of that idea. We don't have to have a yes or no answer. We can I, leave it up I to our listeners to see listeners. what they think because... The way that she's, the way that she tells Bonnie and Rochelle, she's like, you don't want to end up like Nancy. I was like, it sounded like she was controlling that situation. And I was like, interesting. And then it's so ambiguous, the ending, that I'm like, I'm not totally convinced. 
that she's actually in an asylum because Nancy was glamoring no, the shit true. out of Sarah during that fight, and I was like, maybe this is maybe a payback is, and situation. I think that could be interesting because then it would just further reinforce like the trial by your peers and like manipulating like reality in order to like I don't know to punish people who have stepped out of line or to like you know uphold like a status quo or kind of like some type of order oh my god I didn't even think about that my mind's blown we'll leave that oh we'll leave it open-ended as every slasher movie right on brand right on brand (laughs) but um yeah so I mean that's I think all in all entertaining movie agreed I think there's some uh problematic uh uh, execution of the plot and but I think I get talking through it I think I, got, I understand more what they were trying to do but I do think that they um missed the ball a little bit otherwise there are and some pretty iconic you know, moments in the movie to be honest like there are some pretty good ones witchy fun this is good you know yeah good clean witchy fun I just I don't know I mean come on like the slumber party scene is the best scene. It's, it's just, so good. Why is the feather stiff as a board? It's so good. It's just so iconic. Like no, it's true. Everybody knows like it. Things that like permeated pop culture. I didn't even realize what that was from until it came on. I was like, wait, what? I know. Same. Me too. I I was like watching and I was like, oh my god, that's from this movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I was like, yeah, wow, yeah. Um, but I think that's a good place to end it. So that was um that was our discussion on the craft. Join us tomorrow as we will be discussing we're back to our legit bloody slasher this has been a fun little like you know this was a fun little twist and turn this was a little amuse bouche before we uh <laughs> we're introducing the supernatural horror an amuse bouche for later on when we circle back to some more supernatural witchy stuff this is a little this is just a little little foreshadow a little sprinkling per se <laughs> But tomorrow we're getting back to some more knife play, or should I say fish hook play, because we're going to be talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is honestly great. I just watched it for the first time. It's honestly a wonderful film. I had no idea what it was about, and it was great. It was a great surprise. And we have a really fun cocktail um, tomorrow. I know we do because we planned it. I just don't remember what it is, so we will all find out tomorrow together. It'll be a fun surprise for everyone. I guess I'll have to go to the store tomorrow. <laughs> Classic. Well, yep, we're back on having to go buy weird liquors again. So, <laughs> the price we pay. <laughs> literally, literally the price we pay. Like, tr- truly. <laughs> but until then, cheers. cheers.